Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and I'm here with Albert Morales, and we are the House of Indie. Who do we have on the line today, Albert? Today we've got the man, the myth, Monty Moore. Michael Monty Moore, actually. You got the three M's going on there, man. How, how, how do you work that out? Uh, I think for 13 generations uh, or something in our family, we've had uh, uh, double initials, and for some reason, my parents decided to Named me Monty Michael after a couple of family members, and so I ended up being a triple M. Jesus, man, it's like being a triple threat. You do the song and dance and everything. I am the tri- I'm the triple threat. Oh, I draw and paint with everything. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, how's it all going, man? With the, with everything that's been going on, I've seen you being uh, you've been pushing out some work, man. Uh, over the last couple of months here, I saw some. Uh, Awesome dynamite uh, Vampirilla covers. You just got finished doing some stuff for for Brian at, over at Coffin Comics with Lady Death, and uh, and also uh, La Muerta. Yeah, so La, um, La Muerta just dropped uh, their Kickstarter. Just started last night to mm-hmm. epic yeah, epic yeah. success, yeah. and and uh, they have a cover in there for me that uh, I think is actually one of my best drawings ever. That has the character with a couple of uh, kind of uh, La Muerta saints on either side of her, and it's just. Uh, it's wicked fun to work on those projects. I think I have, I think I have art in three or four Kickstarters at the moment. You really do do the whole song and dance, man. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I like to stay busy. I hardly ever say no to, to work in projects, but I've had to say more, uh, no more lately because of Loco Hero and right. really trying to take a page out of Brian and some of these other self publishers books uh, who are doing their own projects and creator owned is a, it's a brave new frontier being able to go direct to fans with platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Yeah. So we've, uh, you, you, we've seen you do tons of stuff. Like Albert was, was mentioning that you do some stuff on, on Vampirella. You did some stuff with coffin comics. We you're all over the place. And, uh, um, you actually did a cover for our local comic shop here in Arizona, uh, collector's choice comics. So, and that was actually really yeah. good. I love that cover. That was amazing. I think it was one of the better looking so comics. Vampirilla, yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah, I, that was one of the, one of the 50th anniversary ones. So that, and it was their very first ever, uh, retailer variant. Yeah. So I was very proud that they asked me to do that. And we, we started chatting when we were at the, my first time coming to Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, comic con, I guess it's fan fusion now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was down there for that show, but, um, yeah, people probably know my work from, uh, having done everything this year to a TMNT 100 cover. Yeah. Or, uh, was it 100? Yeah. Several Vampirellas. 
I did a cover for Undiscovered Country Number One for nice. Image, and then you know my work history kind of goes back to you know a lot of the um, Lady Death sort of thing. But uh, fans of gaming also would know me from Magic: The Gathering, mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, yeah. of those kinds of projects. That's awesome. So. Give me the the uh, the the quick elevator pitch of uh, Logo Hero because I was reading on your Kickstarter, and I, and I thought this was actually a really great uh, premise for this book. Oh, thank you. Uh, so it's about a homeless Latina war vet who, after a head trauma that she sustains trying to help out a, a, a fellow person who lives on the streets, uh, that she awakens to believe that she's a superhero and that she needs to stop uh, this ruthless developer tycoon. Uh, and who wants to sort of level the slums where they live and build a, you know, a shopping mall. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that with her sort of crossed wiring now, she has a dissociative disorder that uh, he wants to build a super villain headquarters. And so she, there's a scene in the book where she's, you know, cobbling together an outfit from the donations bin and it's leftover stuff. Mm. It's discarded items, much like we might think that, that people who live on the street are discarded people. Mm. And so she cobbles together all this stuff and what she might think is night vision goggles are really ski goggles mm. and her outfit or rollerblade pads, uh, it seemed like Batman's armor. <laughs> and so to her, she's putting together this outfit, which she thinks is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's a leftover leotard from a jazzer size outfit from the eighties. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I think it's great that you have a hero who is doing all the right things, but she doesn't have the money and the support system that say Batman or Iron Man, Tony Stark, they have mm-hmm. all of these things at their disposal. And here you have somebody who's doing the same thing. She's standing up for other people who can't do it themselves. Yeah. And she's doing it with no help and no, no support system. That's awesome. I think she uh, took some of her outfit right out of my closet. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Gentrification makes me feel the same way. I'm just saying (laughs) I would probably go pretty crazy in my, in my, uh, in my local community too, if I saw that going on. (laughs) Well, we, uh, so I live here in Denver and we have an area, uh, that I, I used to drive through all the time and it's where our shelter and some of our kitchens and stuff are. And, um, I, when I was writing the story, I kind of envisioned it down there in that area. And so in the story, it's called Bridgeton, but we have a street here called Brighton Boulevard. And, and I just kind of pictured that Brighton was Bridgeton. And so as I'm writing it, I'm visiting those areas and, and I do some outreach when I can with things like, uh, the VFW here in town for our veterans. Mm. And so one of the things that I'm doing with this book as well is we have a cover that's called the honor bound cover, and I'm donating all of the proceeds from that cover to an organization called operation second chance, which helps our veterans. And, um, that's our number one pledge cover. We have over a hundred people who have pledged that cover. So right now we've already raised over $2,000 just to go to that organization. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's, that is awesome, man. Um, so with some of the other work, I mean, what, uh, what prompted you to do this type of a hero or this type of character? Um, 
is it just because you work with a lot of stuff with the military and stuff, or is it, uh, what, what was it, what was the premise? What was the thoughts behind coming up with this whole thing? Uh, it was interesting how it all happened because it was just one day and it was during San Diego comic-con 2014. Uh-huh. And I had done a couple of movie projects where I was like art director and I had already produced one film that I had written. And so I had lunch with a buddy of mine who's a writer producer. And we were talking about movies. And I said, you know, if you were going to do a low budget movie and try to go out and raise a hundred grand and do a film, I said, do low budget horror like everybody else. And he said, no, you know, I think I had to find a way to do a superhero uh, piece that wasn't, uh, you know, really expensive. And uh, so we were kind of talking about projects like kick-ass Right. So Kickass doesn't have any powers. He's just a guy who can take a beating because his nerve endings are toast. Mm. And so I think I had that rolling around in my brain. Like, how do I do superhero that's unique, but isn't flying around in laser beams and all that? So flash forward about six hours, I'm walking back to my car in front of the San Diego Convention Center and walking towards me as a group of cosplayers probably five or six of them. They're all dressed in their superhero outfits. And then at the exact same time they pass me, a woman passes me pushing her shopping cart full of all her belongings. She is clearly struggling with mental illness. She's yelling and she's having an argument with herself and there's nobody else there. Mm. And I literally was struck by the idea of, well, what if I had a hero who lived on the street who dressed like a superhero but was crazy and thought she was a superhero, but had no powers. And that's literally how Loco here was born. It was like, boom, that's my idea. Mm. And it, and it came from happenstance. What's a, you, so you, you actually do the, the drawing and the paintings uh, stuff. Um, right, what are you using? Are you using a gouache or are you using uh, acrylics, uh, watercolors? Kind of all of it. Um, so most of my mixed media paintings, I'll start with first a pencil drawing, a sketch, And then usually my first stage is very elaborate colored pencils for tight details and things. And then I do two stages of blending where the next stage of blending is with um, the markers. And then the next stage is airbrushing. And I do a further layer of blending and special effects. And then I come back and I tighten up the art with hand painting and more pencils. And so it's about a five or a six layer uh, approach for most of the color work. And then with my fine artwork, I do do um, uh, oil painting, acrylic. I've done watercolor covers. The cover I did for Undiscovered Country not too long ago was predominantly watercolor with just a little bit airbrush in it. Wow. So for me, I usually just try to approach it of whatever the client wants and what look they're after because I don't offer just one look. And by that, I mean, if you're J. Scott Campbell, you have one look. And, right. and those covers look like that. Mm-hmm. And I like it when people go, oh, I had no idea that was your art. And that shows breadth of art, artwork, but style. Yeah, because you do range from styles. I did notice that when I was uh, checking out your work and refreshing my, refreshing my brain with some of your stuff. Um, and I, have you- a whole, I have a whole separate site called The Art of Monty Moore. And it's actually all Western wildlife and pop culture yeah. Western, like Tombstone, Lonesome Dove. 
and you know, there's, there's pieces over there that look nothing like my comics were. Yeah. That's, that's the stuff that actually kind of uh, piqued my interest because I'm a, I'm a huge like spaghetti Western old Western type uh, movie stuff, probably because back in the day, you know, my dad used to throw on TV and that's what he would go. He would go straight to like Bonanza and stuff like that. So, so, mm-hmm. so looking at that, your, your artwork with, with your Western style, um, that's what kind of piqued my interest more than, than your comics. I love the comic stuff I and mean, I'm a comic guy, but still I was just like, Oh mm-hmm. man, this, this looks, this looks completely different from what he does with comic books. And I, I really love uh, how you, how you uh, uh, capture that whole style. It, it was super, super cool for me to kind of research that. Thank you. Yeah. That's actually just a newer thing for me. The last, I would say three, four years. And I've done a number of fine art shows and been in some, uh, you know, competitions. Uh, this year I took fourth in the world for pencil work for Western art. And that's, you know, they have no idea that I'm a comics and pinup artist mm. uh, or, or maybe, maybe they do. They just don't care, but it's, it's like building a, an entirely separate career and look outside of, of being in pop culture for mm-hmm. 30 years. And one of the things that I'm building into the loco hero project is, is that the character herself watched just like you with your dad, she watched a ton of movies and her father is going to be from, he's from El Salvador in the story. Okay. And, um, in the second story arc, it's going to tie into his past and things like that. But the, the pop culture is getting brought into Loco Hero because now that she has this sort of dissociative disorder, when she goes into fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. it kind of triggers this hero villain thing inside her and she gets confused. It changes her, what she's seeing like a hallucination. And so she might think that the guys in the alley that she's fighting are ninjas and she might appear to herself to look like a full on samurai. Or if she thinks she's a steampunk, Western, she might think that the people look like the androids drone hosts in Westworld mm. or, uh, you know, the Terminator or good, bad, and the ugly. So yeah. there's actually a, a big crossover that I'm going to bring into about pop culture. And so he can, right. she's a Jedi. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. So there's a lot of room to play with as far as, um, uh, as far as design and, um, characters and whatnot, you know, um, yeah, the, the visuals of it allow her to be transported yeah. just in her brain. So sure. the, the people reading the story, they get to go, oh, man, that's so cool. You know, yeah, it's almost like they so- get something new every time. Exactly, because you don't know what what is going to trigger her. The, is it going to be the Black Knight versus, you know, uh, Lancelot? Or is it going to be uh, Cowboys and Aliens? Mm-hmm. Right, right, you know, right. Or go back to something from the '40s where it's like, oh, it's a. This looks like a John Wayne scene. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, is this is this your first Kickstarter? This is my fourth Kickstarter, fourth. but it's okay. my first for a comics project. Okay, and so my first two were for art books. I did a book called Mischief that was a sketchbook, and then the second one was called Cover Up, and that was a twenty-five year retrospective hardcover of all my covers in the industry. Okay. And yeah. then, uh, this last fall we did a fine art one for uh, Western and automotive and pinup art prints, mm. but this and one is blowing the other ones out of the water. So, so I really, I, yeah, yeah, I saw, I'm looking at it now and it's, it's man, your goal was uh, a little low here. And then you guys surpassed that. 
way back then. But but this is a this this is my question here. Uh, uh, we talk to a lot of creators, and a lot of them are 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 kind of on that uh, uh, line of should I do a Kickstarter? Should I not? What what is how 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 do I how am I going to be successful at this? So I want to ask you: is You've done four now, and you said this one's blowing it all out of the water. So. So what do you, do you feel in your own words, uh, in your own opinion, is a what makes a successful Kickstarter? Because there's there, I, I've talked to a lot of friends that of ours that that it, they've they failed at Kickstarters. They they've surpassed their goals. They haven't. And, and it was kind of up and down with different projects and stuff. So how do you feel between the four that you've done? How do you how do you, how, what is your secret? So the, I guess the two takeaways that I have from this is that. One, the fan base that I've been building, I would say, especially the last five to 10 years is predominantly comics focused. And although they, although they still respect the other art I do, the Western and the, the wildlife and the fine art, that that's where the base is that's hungry for to support me. So some people supported the last Kickstarter and got the fine art stuff, but they jumped on board in a big way, supporting levels that are $500 for a sketch cover or $800 to get all 27 of the different covers, you know, foil variants and all this kind of thing. So this is telling me, this is where my social media fan base is. And I predominantly go to comic book shows. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then to go back to your previous question about um, the, some of the campaigns that can fail, I feel that it, it has to do with mobilizing your fan base and I also have a small gaming company, but our gaming Kickstarters have not been wildly successful. One funded and one didn't, and they were only trying to raise like three to $5,000. And yet my comics Kickstarter did that in basically five minutes. Wow. Um, and so I think when people say, heck, my Kickstarter didn't go, it's because they don't have a fan base to mobilize and get behind you. Mm. And if you look at the success of Brian Polito's Kickstarters, yeah. Three to 5,000 eager fans who say, I want to see you succeed. And I like the product yeah. you make. So he's yeah. able to stay in touch in a very personal way and get them to support the campaign. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think it really comes down to the fans and the product. Yeah. You really got to know your fan base. Uh, like in, uh, for example, like you said with Brian, he knows his fan base. He knows what they want to see. Um, you know, it's it's very similar to the Kiss Army or the Juggalos for ICPP. <laughs> you know, they, they they're they're willing and able to go to war with him. So it's it's awesome. Uh, so, I mean, for you to have a have a successful Kickstarter yourself and, and come through with all that uh, more so than your games, that's also a testament to you know mm-hmm. how much people are really dig it on your on your personal artwork rather than a, a gaming console kind of thing where where most people's attention are nowadays yeah. is more with like gaming and and uh pretty much almost anything with, with that that doesn't have to do with books yeah. you know yeah and the games we were doing are, are more like card games tabletop games and and it's a very it's kind of a flooded market due to kickstarter and the you know game supporters are going to support it but what i'm basically seeing the fans are saying that that local Hero is the kind of product they want to see from me, like well thought of, creative, but also strong, powerful, sexy. Now I'm not playing the over the top sexy, like crazy through the roof, you know, sure. sort of thing. But she's still wearing, you know, uh, skin tight clothing. She's athletic, uh, but I also want to 
portray a strong hero that's more of somebody that's in the Wonder Woman category than say uh you know the bad girl category because because my my character is a true hero because she's boiled down to that she had that's all she has to go on is she's trying to serve other people in her community right it's more of the uh in in the regards to if there if, again if there was a comparison you know like the vampirilla and the lady deaths and stuff like that those were more categorized as the bad girl image especially like back in the day yeah, um, sure. whereas your character would be more of an uh, i guess the term nowadays is more empowered she's more yep. of an empowered woman um which uh which seems to be the the um, the flavor of the of the day you know what i mean it seems like everybody's uh, really kind of getting behind that which is great i think uh, women should be empowered themselves um especially since i've got like you know three daughters you know so it's it's <laughs> they, they, you know they don't need anybody uh, they need a guy to kind of to kind of take over and, and do the stuff for them yeah um, I think for me, one of the things that I'm really happy about with the story and the project is, is that it all came together as one and I wasn't trying to push one thing. In other words, I think there's people out there who say, Hey, I've got this agenda and yeah. I want to help promote this thing. And then they go and they create a, vi- a vehicle to promote whatever their thing is, whether it's politics yeah. or religion or empowerment. And I didn't start with any of that. I literally started with the nucleus of a character and then I started writing about her and everything just kind of fell into place. Even with her background, my family history has a lot of military in it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it made sense to make her have a military background because it makes her capable. Sure, and also, yeah. it, it gives her a more interesting backstory. And that's kind of why the character is also broken, right? Any good hero has to have their frailties and foibles like anybody else, Tony Stark, Batman, they've all got their insecurities. And so she's got a laundry list of things that, you know, she has to deal with herself to make her very real. You know, what's funny is uh, I think that from a writing standpoint, when a lot of independents or not, not just independence, but when it, initially when you're trying to put something together, I've found when I'm working with some other uh, creatives on possibly coming up with like a, a new idea, the first thing that pops up is, oh, let's make them a military person or let's make them a, a, a you know, law enforcement or something like that. And sometimes or most of the time, which is a lot of times, you know, that person doesn't have anything to do with the military. It's just, for me, it's an easy cop out that I've noticed that it's like, Oh, let me go ahead and make you military. But in your circumstance, like you said, um, you're the opposite side of that coin. You have a lot of family that's been in the military. So you're more familiar with military standards and military, you know, uh, um, uh, traditions and whatnot. So you'd be able to kind of speak to what you're writing. And I think most writers will tell you, write what you know. Um, mm-hmm. so my, Hats off to you for that. I mean, I like, you know, I think it's uh, Bill Tucci's another guy that, you know, um, he's an yeah. awesome guy, awesome artist, and definitely does a lot of military stuff. So, and does and, his and research. He, yep. Yeah. And he actually served himself. Uh, yeah. Whereas all three of my cousins who served in various branches, but my grandfather actually retired as an admiral and he had his own aircraft carrier uh, called the USS Altamaha. And wow, he, was, he was, he was born in 01 and he lived to 1996. His flying license is signed by one of the Wright brothers. Wow. That's just awesome. An, an amazing life and career. And I have a plaque here in the house 
that mine is a copy of the original, and it was signed by George Washington stating that my ancestors, whose uh, last name was Alney, which was my mom's maiden name, uh, served with George Washington in the time of the General's Army's Valley Forge and, wow. you know, was part of all that. And it was in the original, which is on the family, is signed by Washington. And so we can trace wow. our roots back to at least that far in the U.S. military. That's and awesome. so to me, I guess I see part of doing a project like this where I can have veterans. Mm-hmm. Sure. I didn't serve myself, but my art can certainly help those who have. Yeah. And right. again, I didn't wasn't even part of the project until or so ago that it said, Hey, I wonder if this goes well, if I could donate part of the proceeds. Mm. So it came naturally. It wasn't like I'm going to do this so I can do this. Right, right, right. Again, not, it wasn't agenda based. It wasn't. It's just sort of like, Hey, this sounds like a good idea to give to support this. What are the chances we're going to see a a character in the book called, you know, uh, what was the name of your, your grandfather's ship, the Altamaha? Delta That's a great, yeah, I think issue two, we should maybe like a, a dog or, or a character. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such an extensive background. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, the, the military and your family, I mean, that's, it leans so well, even though it was not intentional, it leans so well into how much you could develop into what your main character sees. By the way, what is her first name in the, in the book? Uh, her name is Brina Hernandez, and the first name came from one friend of mine that I know here in, in town. Uh, and then the last name, Hernandez, came from a couple of other friends. Uh, and two of those brothers are the guys who got me into comics. And we wow. were the first indie self-published book in 1993, right when everything kind of went to crap. Wow. And it was called Lords. And I was the colorist and I airbrushed every single panel of the entire comic book. Good God, and so <laughs> they're uh, good friends of mine to this wow. day. Their names are Gabe and Chachi Hernandez. And um, so that was also a nod to, you know, them and them inviting me to be part of the project. And it really changed the whole trajectory of, uh, I was just coming out of art school and I knew I wanted to be an illustrator, but I didn't have lofty enough goals that I would work on comics, games, and movies. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd be a graphic designer and illustrator doing logos and brochures and illustrations of bulldozers. <laughs> Even though I grew up as a nerd, I grew up playing D&D since the late 70s, believe it or not, early 80s, and then you know, reading comics, but I thought that was way out of my reach. Wow. That's funny. You've been in, this, in the industry for over 30 years, right? Am I correct on that? Uh, like 28. I've been going to Comic-Con since 1993 and I've never missed San Diego well till this year. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you feel uh, since you've had a, a handful of successful Kickstarters now and this one being the best, uh, what do you feel is, is the uh, epitome of a, of a successful creator? Ooh, I think it's that you can be proud of the product that you're making. And I guess the reason why I say that is, is there's many, many campaigns out there that will make much more money than mine. And everybody, obviously, what appeals to them. Right. But, but for me, I, I'm proud of this project that I feel that it combines great story, first and foremost, then great art, and then some support for a great cause. And so I feel that it's a well-balanced thing where I didn't have to 
push anyone saying agenda versus story versus art. Mm -hmm. And almost everybody that I've asked to do a cover or be a part of when I tell them what I'm doing, every, you know, unless they weren't available, they've said, well, yeah, I love what you're doing. I'd like to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And that makes me also feel good because I've never gone out to any of my friends in the industry and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, would you be willing to do a cover for me? And what's your rate? You know, I'm not asking anybody to work for free. Yeah, right. um, there's a couple of the artists where we're trading covers with each other. Hey, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. And then sure. you're able to capitalize on their reputation and fan base. So yeah. I'm, I feel like for the last maybe five years on Kickstarter, I've been at everybody else's party and I haven't thrown my own. But hopefully now, because I've been parties, I know how to throw a good party. So I'm taking, <laughs> a, I'm taking a page from their book on self-publishing and how to do your own project and maintain those creator rights so that hopefully my end goal is that I would mark this as a TV series or a film um, to, because that's when I first wrote this. I didn't write it as a comic book. It's a pilot episode. It's actually written as a, as a screenplay. And I've written 12 screenplays. So uh, I I have a little bit of, I shouldn't say a background, but I've been writing since uh, 2008. Right. You're familiar with the process. Yeah. The process and the format and things. So um, there is one uh, producer who's a Hollywood producer uh, who's worked with uh, Al Pacino and Mm. Carl Urban with some of his films. And he just requested to see the the sort of pitch materials, the script and the the first issue for Loco Hero already. Uh, And I met him before Comic-Con. I said, Hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to take a look at it? And he's what it was he said yes and that over i'd love to take a look at that that's cool yeah i mean uh so with with all the success of the book man do you see that it's uh that you're going to try and focus it maybe towards uh say a series or a series on when i say series i mean television series or whatnot or do you see it uh, maybe kind of continuing on like how many issues are you is it original graphic novel or are you going to do like five issue miniseries uh, continuous series. What's the end I, game? I think, yeah, I think at the moment, just a continuous series. So, uh, when I first came up with the first story arc, which would have been either an entire season of a TV show or this first comic story arc that, um, uh, it, it would be an ongoing story where the character has, you know, new adventures and trials and tribulations. Uh, and so the goal is to, since this is as successful as it is, take on a little bit less work in the industry for other people, be a little bit more focused on my own thing. Sure. Uh, uh, and I've already engaged all, th- uh, all the folks who worked on the first issue to start on issue two. Mm-hmm. And then another of my scripts, which is uh, called Blood and Bullets, which is a vampire Western was a screenplay that's been optioned three or four times, mm-hmm. but I have the rights back currently. And so it also has a, a Facebook page and I had already had like 12 pages of the comic done. And so I think what I'd like to do is just do a local hero Kickstarter and then three to six months later, do a blood and bullets. And then that would create enough time to come back and do the next Kickstarter for local hero for the next issue. So I would have two titles going simultaneously and do you know, anywhere from two to four Kickstarters per year for that new issue. Wow. So, um, go, that's pretty good. Actually. That's really good. Um, I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing, you know, some guys, you know, they come in like, Oh, I want to do a book. 
and they really don't see like how far they want to take it or they have an idea of how far they want to take it, but they don't really make the step-by-step plan kind of thing of like, okay. And plans change. Don't get me wrong. You know, you, mm-hmm. can't, you can't marry them, but, uh, um, so you got to be more adaptable. Um, in when, working I with, with, when I came up with the idea first, it was just going to be a set like screenplay. This story ends here. And then with some advice of other people, they said, well, you know, streaming and series is the most popular today because you can tell a lot more about a character. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, I need to open it up. You know, I'm not going to kill her off or anything. And so that's when the idea of more of a comic series rather than a one shot, you know, kind of came from that and and launched the character as a comic because I'm I'm leveraging my fan base and my ability to do art. Nice. So, so we, we talked a whole lot about all your success uh, with Kickstarters and, and in your career. Was there any moment that you had a low point in your career that you may thought and said, you know, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Uh, and, and if there was, how did you, how did you build yourself back up to the point where you're like, I'm just, I'm going to keep going. You know, I would say that there's a lot of sort of pitfalls in both the, uh, maybe more so on the gaming side of things where, you know, we would publish something and you feel like you got the rug pulled out from under you. Like we lost the rights to one of our games because the company that had the rights collapsed. We didn't even get our games and we didn't get paid. Um, And so, you know, those things are hard to recover from because you feel Mm -hmm. like you just can't win. You're like, why am I doing this? And at the time when I was doing a lot more work in gaming and and working for uh, doing a lot of work for Wizards of the Coast, Comics wasn't being very good to me at the time because uh, people didn't want painted covers. Mm. And I made a conscious choice not to become a digital colorist. I have opportunities and I have the ability to do it. I have all the equipment. I know how to do it. I just prefer being at an art table rather than a a computer monitor. And so you just kind of have to keep pushing through it. So if you had said 10 years ago that I'm primarily going to be working in comics and not game, I would say, well, that's crazy. You know, what's cool is just seeing the actual images in person too. Like when you have a, a portfolio that's just full of original pieces, the customer or the fan can really appreciate that more than say a, a, a digital kind of a copy that you have in your portfolio. You know what I mean? It still looks nice, yeah. but when you see the skill of just brush to canvas, yeah. Rush to Canvas is, is really awesome. You know, yeah. it's it's got a different texture. It's got a different feel, and it tells a different story than, than just a printout, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, why I do stuff more traditionally rather than do stuff. I'm not a digital cowboy at all. So, <laughs> Well, one of, my, one of the successes of Kickstarter, if you look at some of the reward tiers that people have pledged, mm-hmm. you know, there's a $4,000 tier on there in the first 10 minutes, and that was to commission your own Loco Hero cover. Wow. And that is going to one of my fans who lost her son in the military. And that painted cover is going to be a tribute to him. Wow. And how amazing is that? Now the digital artist came, is going to incorporate that. Wow. That's awesome. That's a hell of a tear to, yeah. to put on there. That's pretty awesome, man. To, to, the I, I'm looking through some of these tiers and stuff. You, you do have some really unique tiers and I think maybe that's a little bit uh, a different from what I've, I'm used to seeing as well on some of these uh, different Kickstarters and uh, that, that I've backed 
And I, I think it's really kind of cool to kind of put yourself out there in a different way. You're doing say, say, like a while back, uh, Albert was saying when, when, when some of the other, uh, interviews we had, you want to do something. I think it was when we t- spoke to John Boy Myers, you want to do something that is very, that is similar, but different and and make sure that it that it mm-hmm. catches somebody's eye and you want to hook them in a little bit. So I think that might be a little bit key to why some of these kickstarters are success, successful versus some other ones. Uh it definitely kind of intrigued me. I think, you know, offering it as a 48-page novel, being able to pick the covers that you want. Mm-hmm. Some people might pledge the project just the donation tier and that's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they get the book, the money goes to Operation Second Chance, great, and they know they're supporting a good cause. I would say in the last four or five days, we've gotten a lot of people backing the digital reward, mm-hmm. you know, $9 reward. You get to read the whole book. You're not worried about the collectible aspect or having to put it on your shelf or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And to me, that anybody who I, I really excited when I see that because I know that the person's going to enjoy that people who back the physical tiers, they get a copy of the digital reward too. Mm -hmm. But I would rather people buy this and read it than buy it only to collect it, put it and never see the, in the, the love and the hard work that went into the interiors, with the story and the art. Yeah. I've always thought that, uh, you know, like I had a Mike Mignola cover one time, it was a DC book that he did. Um, and it was, uh, Superman. And he, he didn't really do that much Superman back in the day. Um, but I had it and that thing was war torn, man. Like, <laughs> sat, you know, sat in some boxes, got tossed around and I had him sign it. And, uh, I was like, you know what? I go, if somebody brought this to me, I would say that they appreciated the comic more because they read the hell out of it. Um, and just, you know, enjoyed it rather than kept it crisp and clean and just stuffed it back in a box. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So that was one of the, that was one of my highlights when I gave it to Mike. I was like, Hey man, I just enjoyed the hell out of this book. You know, just, yeah. uh, can you sign it for me? It's just something, it's just a keepsake for me. And, and especially nowadays with nowadays, you know, you've got a lot of people that, uh, you know, just flip books or whatever, or, you know, Oh yeah, and you can tell they'll they'll show up with a, a cutout window in it, like it's yeah. not even coming out of the bag. Like, yeah. Just sign it, but don't touch it. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. And yeah. grading is uh-huh. a big thing. Do you, are you a slab guy? Do you do you collect books at all still? Or I I usually only buy a book I'm going to read. I don't buy to collect. So if I decide to get something, uh, or I'm at a show and something looks great, or I really like art, I will buy it to read it. But I don't I don't have any graded books that are really just for me. And then I have in my studio, I have a couple of books that are my favorite covers. Some that I've done uh, that are, you know, here on the wall. Nice. See, I'm that guy that, that like, I'll, I'll, I I really give into the collecting book bug sometimes. And, and, uh, I, I have to grab a book and sometimes I'll grab two because I know I'll have one that's a reader and one that's, uh, that I'm going to collect and put on my wall or something like that. So, uh, so I do love that the, the idea that you had a, a tier where you, where you both get a digital and a physical guys like me, I like to read it as well. I'm, I'm right there. I got like all these books behind me here. These are all readers, man. And I, I'm, none of those are collect my uh-huh. collect ones are way up there away from me. So I don't get tempted. <laughs> so, but, uh, well, and I, I think with this first project for me, I'll only ever get to say, this is my first creator own project as a, as a Kickstarter. So if I do the next local hero or I do blood and bullets, 
it, you know, those will be secondary ones, but I'm sure there are some people who are backing it because they're like, well, this is Monty's first one. I better get one of those. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, I actually had my mother-in-law uh, this morning actually showed up and she's like, I don't normally have any of my stuff up around the house at all. I just, once I'm done with it, I'm done with it. I don't want to look at it again, but I did some children's book illustrations. And I, so I had the children's books that were sitting on the counter and, and uh, she comes in, she's like, what's this? I was like, Oh crap. Uh, I was like, uh, Oh yeah. You know, this is, this is this what I did here. And she's like, Oh, can I get some? I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so do you hang up any of your work at all? I mean, do you, do you sit there and look at it or, or do you get nitpicky and, and just like, ah, I can't look at it cause I'm going to try and change something on it. Mm, I guess some of both. So most of the time, the art that's in my studio uh, in the past was always other people's. But what I kept hearing is if I had a client or a customer was coming by to pick up something, they actually wanted to see my art on the walls, right? Like right. that's a marketing thing as opposed to, yeah, yeah. it's cool that you've got Todd Lockwood or a Frank present a print or a poster or something. Um, so now the studio is actually more of my art, but it's not because I'm, you know, trying to, uh, you know, put adoration on myself. Yeah. It's more of a, that's what people, mm-hmm. you know, friends and family, they want to go, Oh, come check out money studio. Look at yeah. all the cool stuff he does. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's more of a marketing thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I have other stuff in the studio, uh, Punisher posters and toys. And I, I do have a sign present a print. Uh, and other thing, I usually like to put up stuff around me that inspires me. Yeah, and usually sure. that's other people's work. Like used to be a lot of Drew Struzan posters. Oh, nice. You know, and 20 years ago, but, uh, like a lot of artists who sort of tried to emulate his style, I wasn't trying to copy him and mm-hmm. thank goodness. Cause there's three or four guys who kind of do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, shoot, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, dude, and, and really spending Absolutely. some time with us and getting getting us, uh, getting us more familiar with Loco Hero. Um, I think it's going to be uh, – it's going to sell out. It's it's gonna, it's already met its mark, I believe, and, and I think uh, I think it's just going to yeah, go it more. Yeah, 2,500, and we're at 45,000. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I knew what I needed just to print, you know, the, the bare bones books. Yeah. Uh, and we're into the, the category that other people told me, like they said, we would expect if you were to put your book out that you would be in this area and I'm right in that area. So yeah. they nice. knew what they were talking about when they said, this is what we would expect a project of this caliber. And from somebody who has a, a reputation in the industry like me to, to hopefully do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm extremely thrilled. Yeah. I mean, it's just, a, yeah. it's just a good blessing, man. And I mean, when you, when you low, ball it and you see that it's gone double over what it has it makes yeah. you feel so good rather than the opposite rather than the opposite end of that you know where you shooting for the 4500 and you only make 25 when it can be really mm-hmm. down on a personal project yeah. so hats off to you well, man i'm had, really happy for uh, you we, like i said we had a game that was uh, that we launched right at the beginning of march and we i think the goal was 5000 and right. we basically, we, we, we were sort of rolled up to 2,500 COVID hit and literally just the pledges stopped for yeah. two weeks. And Jeez. so it was weird for me to have a Kickstarter that couldn't raise 2,500 and then to launch another one that blows through that in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And that's basically telling me, okay, it's not purely a matter of timing, but it's also a matter of product at the base. 
And this is mm-hmm. what fans want. Yeah. 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 They were very vocal throughout this whole thing. I think as far as, uh, um, what they wanted. And I saw a lot of independent Kickstarters really getting pushed yeah. for independent books. So again, man, hats off. And I really appreciate you coming on. I know Joey appreciates you coming on. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. No, this was fun. I appreciate it too for indie creators and the opportunity to talk about the story. You know, when somebody just reads the Kickstarter or the brief part, you don't really get to talk about how as much, how it was created or a little more about the character. So yeah. these are great opportunities for us to tell you know, the, why there's more meat on the bones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, this is really awesome. As we record this, you have 32 hours to go on this Kickstarter. Uh, I will, we'll definitely tweet it out and all that good stuff for you. Uh, I think since, since we've been on uh, recording, it's jumped up, uh, a few hundred in the last hour, (laughs) which is pretty awesome. I'm watching the ticker move every once in a while. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. And, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome, man, to see this kind of stuff, uh, uh, kind of get to get surpass the goals and things of that nature. So we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we, like we said, we, when, when people listen to this, this is going to come out as we record this the following week. So, um, if the, the, the Kickstarter will already be over by the time that this is released, but we will definitely make sure that everybody knows that there's two 32 hours left and that you can still go and uh, back this Kickstarter. Uh, check out these tiers. He's got some really great tiers out there and uh, we appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. Is there anywhere else that anybody can find you on social media? Uh, you can send me your friend requests on Facebook to Monty Michael Moore. Then there's also an artist page, uh, Monty M Moore. And then my website, which is called Maverick Arts. So you can go to Maverick Arts or Mav Arts. And then that same handle is Instagram for Mav Arts and Mav Arts Monty on Twitter. Uh, and then uh, for those who want to see my art being done, you can check out Monty Moore Art Attack, which is on uh, YouTube, where I do free videos that people can watch. And I have videos on how to break into comics and things Ooh. like that as well. And, uh, I think there's probably a good chance that we will do a much smaller, uh, Indiegogo campaign, probably in a month or so, uh, we've got things all together and there'll be, um, lesser product available on the Indiegogo campaign, but there'll also be a couple of new exclusives that won't have been available on Kickstarter so that people maybe if at a time right now with, with COVID or loss of a job, weren't able to support it, but Mm -hmm. they still want to be able to get the product. Then they hopefully will be able to get that on Indiegogo. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Definitely. You're a man with products, sir. You're a man with products. <laughs> awesome. I have been accused of being a pretty good marketer. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. <laughs> right. Well, artists, we often struggle with that. And yeah. I, I often tell artists when I'm on panels, I say, you can be the best artist in the world, but mm-hmm. you have to have a business sense and a marketing sense because yeah. nobody's going to do it for you. So you have to... You, you can't just rely on the artwork. You have to do your own hustle mm-hmm. and you have yeah. to, in, uh, you have to stay engaged with your fans and yeah. your reputation matters in a world of social media. You, you can't throw in gas on the fire and yeah. alienating people. You need to be about your art and your stories or whatever it is that you are creating as a creator. Right, right, right. Again, yep. we appreciate you coming on, hanging out with us. We will. Uh, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, we'll see you later, man. I'm excited to get my book when it comes out. So, um, Thank you much. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Hey, thanks again for hanging out with us here on The House of Indy. I'm Joey Galvez and Albert Morales. Albert Morales.